seconds now. Bye-bye. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Genesis, the 15th chapter, verses 1 through 8. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, and the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right. Thanks be to Donna for helping with my microphone. And I'm so glad to be here today to be able to speak to you. And uh, over the past 30 years that I've been involved leading in active ministry, I suppose I've uh, officiated at hundreds of baptisms. And as part of the baptismal ceremony, one part that I really enjoy, I think it's kind of the sadistic side in me, is when the officiant takes some water out of the bowl and then sprinkles it onto the parents, and then he says these words, remember your baptism and be thankful. Now, I don't know about you, most of you probably were baptized when you were infants or really little. I was baptized when I was 12 years old, and even I don't remember my baptism. And I doubt if many of you remember the actual baptism you had. But you know, I've always wondered, as being a United Methodist minister, they've always insisted that these baptisms take place in a congregation. Now, we do private baptisms, if somebody requests that, but it's supposed to be done in a congregation, in public. And I've never really figured out why, except a few years ago, it suddenly dawned on me that maybe the words that are said at the baptism are meant not just for the person being baptized, but for everyone else too. You've probably heard those words because you've been to several baptisms yourself. You've probably heard words that sound awful familiar to you. Words like, do you promise to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Reject the evil powers of this world and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church, 
which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. These promises that began for us when we were baptized are what John Wesley used as the basis of a prayer that he prayed at the start of every new year. He called this prayer his covenant prayer, and he started using it in 1755. Most United Methodist churches still use this prayer during the first or the second week of January to renew their covenant or their promises that they have made to God. Now this prayer contains three basic ways that we're connected to God as followers of Jesus Christ. And so to simplify this message and to help you remember what I've said today, I, I, in fact, I hope that's my goal, is that when you leave today and somebody says, well, what did the pastor talk about today? What did he preach about? Or if you're in your small groups this week, if you're joining and you talk about the sermon, I hope at least you can remember these three things. And, and I put them together in a simple phrase, called in, called up, and called out. Okay? You remember? You remember that. Called in, called up, called out. I believe as Christians we are called into an intimate relationship with God. We're called up to learn with our head and with our heart. And we're called out to serve in love. So let's start with our promise to be in an intimate relationship with God. Let's start with being called in. Now in Genesis chapter 15 that Becky read for us today, and she just read half of the story, I really don't mind if you take a pew Bible out and you open it up to Genesis 15 and you want to read the rest of the story. I'm going to talk about the rest of the story as we go through the message today. But in the first part of this story, God talks to Abram. Now he hasn't changed his name to Abraham yet, so he calls him Abram. And God said to him, I am your shield, your reward will be very great. Abraham was called in to a special relationship with God and God presents him with what scholars, biblical scholars today call a suzerain covenant. Now this is the only fancy word I'm going to use in the sermon today, okay? But it's an important one. In fact, if you really kind of are kind of a Bible geek, kind of like I am, and you like to investigate this, look that up. Suzerain covenant. Now a suzerain covenant is a, an agreement made between two unequal parties, okay? A superior king that wants to make an agreement with a vassal or a lesser king is called a suzerain covenant. And so in this suzerain co covenant of Genesis 15, we have a superior king. In this case, it's God. And Abram is the vassal. In other words, Abram's not equal to God. Abram's the lesser of the two. And before the covenant agreement, the superior king would usually contact the vassal, call the vassal with some kind of a command, ask them to do something, to sort of test to see where their allegiance, their loyalties lay. For Abram, God called him to leave his homeland of Ur. Now, <clears throat> we don't have a big map back here. I wish I did. But imagine there is a huge map back here, 
And, and over here, about where modern day, um, you know, Iran, Iraq, Turkey is, Ur is right in here, okay? And that's where uh, Abram and his family have been living for centuries. And God says, no, I want you to move from Ur all the way over here to this little place called Canaan. I'm going to lead you there. And you just pack up your things and go. And so Abram does. And the second thing that, that God calls is God called Abram to forego the worship of many gods. Ab Abram's ancestors had worshipped several gods for centuries. And he wants now Abram to just worship the one true God. And Abram did all that God asked him to do. He was that second son in that children's message that I said. He said, yes, I'll go, and he actually did it. You and I have also been called by God. We've been asked to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness. We've been asked to reject the evil powers of this world, to repent of our sin. We've been called in to obey God's commands. Now, in chapter 15, God is now ready to enter into a covenant agreement with Abram. And following this suzerain covenant pattern, the superior king, in this case God, announces who he is and what he would give to the lesser party. And that's why it was important that we looked at that first verse of chapter 15. God says, I'm your shield. I'm going to be giving you a great reward. In, in Abram's case, he is the protector of Abram. He will reward him for his obedience. Specifically, God says to Abram that his offspring will inherit vast amounts of land. And God further promises Abram that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. God has promised to be your protector and my protector. God's promises of a great reward are found in the person of Jesus Christ. Like Abram, God loves us and is calling us to a special relationship with us. And like us, this is my favorite part of the whole chapter, Abram shows his human quality right away. You know, it would be really nice. Abram did a great job of, of going all the way to the land of, of Canaan. Actually, right now, he's just about ready to enter into Canaan. He's not quite there yet. And he does believe in God, but he has this human quality of wondering, is it really true? And so in verse 8 of chapter 15, Abram asks of the Lord, O oh Lord God, how am I to know? that I shall possess it. Yes, I believe in you, God. But the skepticism, the doubt, the wondering, how human, I think, and, and how much like me it is. You know, I want to believe you, God. I really do. But how can I know for sure? Well, it's here in the scripture. We didn't read this part, but here's where God lays out the covenant agreement, what, what he wants Abram to do and how they're going to seal this agreement between the two of them. In other words, God is going to answer that question of Abram 
in this special way. We don't really have covenants like this anymore, but what God tells Abram to do is to get a heifer and a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, and a pigeon. And Abram cuts these, you know, he sacrifices them, kills them, cuts the animals in half, except for the two birds, and he lays each of the pieces of the animal, one on one side of, a, of an area, one on the other side with path in between to walk. Except for the birds, and he laid the birds, the, the sacrificed birds, one on one side and one on the other. And then part of this covenant is each party walks back and forth between the animals to say, in essence, if I break my part of the covenant, may what happened to these animals happen to me. I'm giving you my very life. And so this is what Abram does. He gets, goes into a deep sleep and uh, he, he imagines that he is speaking with God. And God comes to Abram and he tells Abram that he can know for certain that all of God's promises will come true. And then God seals the covenant, as we read in verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. Huh? Is that what that really says? What's that all about? Huh? Seems a little bizarre, doesn't it? A, a flaming light, a, a, a fire pot. Well, it makes sense when we realize that the fire pot and the torch represent God. Remember when I said the two parties walked between? Okay, so Abram did that, and this is God sealing, ratifying the covenant. When Abram saw fire going back and forth, that was God sealing that. In essence, God is saying, I will do what I promised I swear by myself. You know, there's no other higher authority than God, so he can't swear by anything else. We too are called into a special relationship with God. What God has promised to us will happen. God has made a covenant with us and we with God. We have been, now I want you to say it with me, called in. Say it, called in. In Matthew 28, Jesus gives his followers their mission in life. He tells us to go and to make disciples, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. We find this at the end of, of the book of Matthew. In other words, Jesus commands us to learn all about him and then to teach others how to be a disciple. I title this part of my message, Called Up. Say it with me, Called Up. Called in, now we're going to be called up. We're called up to renew our commitment to learn with our head and with our heart. Being a disciple starts with a belief in Jesus as our Lord and continues with a passion to learn. Wesley also stressed making this commitment with our heart and with our head. In fact, this is really called faith-seeking understanding. And here's where our small group ministry at Faith Westwood comes into play. You know, one thing that attracted Connie and I to be a part of this church family 
was the emphasis on being part of a small group. When I heard story after story about what the small groups have meant to people, I knew that I wanted to be a part of that. And if you have not been an active participant in a small group, I urge you to consider this as a challenge. Maybe this could be your New Year's resolution to become a deep, daring, daily disciple by joining a small group, being active in 2023. We're commanded by Jesus, right? This is part of that covenant agreement we have. God commands us to teach others how to be this kind of committed follower. We're called up to a higher purpose. Say it with me. Called up. So we're called in, we're called up, but we're also called out. We're called out to be an ambassador for Christ. We're called out to be the hands and feet of God, living out the mission statement to make disciples. If you need a resolution to better yourself in 2023, I challenge you to be part of a mission project here at Faith Westwood. Did you know that our food pantry served over 3,000 people in 2022? Did you know that our women's group provided over 25 Hispanic boys and girls a brighter Christmas because of their generosity in December? Do you know that we have provided countless hats, scarves, and mittens to people during the coldest part of the year because of our blanketed with prayer ministry? Do you want to serve as an ambassador for Christ? Talk to Jen Robinson about volunteering to greet people on Sunday morning or to serve as an usher or a coffee host. Do you want to make a difference in the life of someone? Well, then sign up for an outside-the-walls project that's happening later on this year. Do you want to live a life that matters? Then volunteer to come and read to our children at our Love and Learn Daycare. Become a volunteer at Restoring Dignity, where we've helped several Afghan and Ukrainian families who have escaped their homeland under warring conditions, and they've come to Omaha with just the shirts on their backs. We gave them food, clothing, furniture, fellowship, and hope. There are so many ways to serve God and others through this church that really all you need to do is just go talk to Pastor Steve and say, Pastor Steve, I want to help. I want to make a difference in somebody's life. I want to live a life that matters. You are being called out to serve in love. Say it with me. Called out. I want to end this message today by reminding all of us that we've made a commitment to God. Even if you're too young to remember your baptism, that commitment was made on your behalf. Some of you do remember your commitment. It was that day that you committed your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today is a day to be reminded of these promises. So please repeat with me one more time. Called in, called up, called out. Now, I started this message by referring to a prayer that John Wesley prayed at the start of every year. 
And I'd like to end by having all of us say that same prayer together. It's going to be on the screen for us. Now, in the original language that he used was a little archaic, so I've kind of modernized it just a little bit, but let's pray this together, shall we? I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Place me with whom you will. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things let me have nothing. I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O oh wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen.